You are listening to the Hutton Orbital News Digest. This is a shorter version of the full show that you can find on iTunes. Enjoy! Somewhere in the orbital, not a billion miles away from the studio, someone has left the fridge door open. This fridge is a very old fridge. In fact, judging by the ice monster in the freezer compartment, it's ancient. Something has been growing inside it. There's a jar of very well-preserved preserve. And taking the idea of thousand-year eggs a little literally, a small egg box which is now empty. Whatever was in there has decided to take itself for a walk. Leathery eggs have only very little legs. Security are scouring the hallways and the ventilation shafts of Hutton, armed with movement sensors that go beep, with flamethrowers and, of course, a cat. On the desk in front of each of us is a gift, what looks like a new microphone, sort of oval, and standing on very little legs. It's sitting on the desk innocuously, but unseen by the presenters, who are attempting to put the pages of their script in the right order, the top of which is opening ever so slowly. The producer spots this and points hurriedly at the on-air sign. Speaking softly so as not to, tra- not to attract attention, our host whispers into the mics. My mic's alive! Good evening, good evening, and good grief. There's something crawling out of my microphone. I don't think that is your microphone. It's a creature. It would be more threatening if it was a little larger. Mine's got a little beady eye, and it's looking at me. Quick, grab a glass and trap it. Lou, where's yours? Sorry, dear. I ate it. What do you mean you ate it? The egg. It wasn't an egg. Well, well, it it was an egg. I thought you'd bought me one of those hard-boiled ones I like so much. I was hungry. It was a bit leathery, come to think of it. Didn't it taste funny? Well, with your cooking, it's always a bit potluck. You silly boy. That was an alien. What? An alien alien? We need to catch them and get them to cannon for study. My belly hurts. Look, just stick your fingers down your throat and do it quietly. Norma, give him the Heimlich and a bucket. Now, before anything nasty happens, we'd better get on with the news. Biscuits are back on the menu. Tritium officially rare? We investigate. When progenitors go bad. 
Election interference inquiry points the finger. Auntie Ida is put out to pasture. Lou loves long lists, and this week his list, his long list, is jolly long. And there's Norma's news from the community. this evening there are celebrations throughout Colonia as the flag of Simbad, the used to be bad, has lowered from its pole over Dunker's Rest and the jaunty colours of the 38 were raised in its place, complete with crumbly motif. For four months the 38 and Hutton have battled valiantly to wrest the keys and codes from Mr. The Bad and this week after a relatively peaceful handover from Radio Sidewinder they moved back in in a coup the likes of which the galaxy hasn't seen in an awfully long time. Not only have they taken their ovens back and claimed ownership of the system, they both delivered and executed an immaculately planned eviction on the cape-wearing, moustache-twirling rotter. In fact, they managed to kick out a grand total of four squatters from the system, all in a matter of a handful of days. Operation Buttery Biscuit Base has been officially baked to a warm, crumbly and satisfying conclusion and by sheer coincidence, the FTM Cloud Atlas arrived in the area to take everyone home. Hutton congratulations to the 38, to the Hutton Hot Pit team, to the Paladin Consortium, Crunchwing and all those from Colonia who took part. In an entirely accidental turn of events, the surge in popularity of the area has seen both Hot Call and the 38 head in the direction of expansion. And as luck would have it, the potential destination for both appears to be one Fart Auri, home of Simbad the Bad. Diplomatic discussions have begun, and neither faction is actually interested in Mr. The Bad's dodgy dungeon. It smells a bit, and the stains are rather disconcerting. Plus it's rather drafty as there's rather a bad he's rather bad at DIY and the windows don't fit properly. As reported by Galnet News Digest on Tuesday, there has been a sudden, unexpected and massive drop in the availability of tritium. The Hutton News team has been scouring the galaxy or at least the easiest to use search engines and conspiracy theory websites in search of a reason. And we found one. Rares. Yes, the uber-rich classes of the galaxy, desperate for something to spend their all-too-easily-won mining credits on, are looking for a new rare good. They're bored with following rocking horses with shovels and bags marked manure. They're fed up with chasing chickens with pliers and a cupful of something blue for the hens to rinse their mouths with afterwards. They even think that they have a sufficiency of Hutton mugs, so they have turned their attention to something that once was plentiful and have hidden most of it away in an effort to increase the unit price and, of course, to give them something new to collect. We don't think that these permanent magnates have considered all the implications that would arise should tritium become an official rare good. 
Imagine trying to load a fleet carrier if you could yeah. only pick up 10 tons of tritium ore in only one go, then have to wait 10 minutes for more to be made available. Would tritium gain enormously in value the further you are from its origin? And would that be at 150 light years? Or since it's fuel for fleet carriers, would it be at, say, 60,000 light years? Would it mean that tritium was only available from one location? Would Flossie still be fine for dropping it near the station? And if so, how long would the queue be at the fuel pump? And would they accept credit cards? The Pilots' Federation has promised to hold an inquiry into the situation, which will start just as soon as they have something really embarrassing they want to draw attention away from. In the meantime, they appear to have been whetting everyone's appetite by sending a free load of the stuff to every fleet carrier in the galaxy. If anyone was worried that the raft of recent wars and the shenanigans over in Colonia were making Hutton truckers all a little bit fighty, recent reports that progenitor, or maybe architect, depending on who you ask, Leo Wolf has been indulging her naughty side this week. What has put her tigery eyebrows in a frown and creases in her bald brow, no one knows. Though, it might be the thought that Cecil is heading back to the bubble, having completed his mission over there and earned enough money to pay for a ride home. Concerned for his safety? Could be. Or for everyone else's. However, the progenitor has been flexing her sinewy muscles with missions to assault bases, carry out military operations, hunt down named criminals, and take shipments of everything from cigars to battle weapons, body armour, and even asking pilots to smash skinmers for her. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And judging by her destructive fury, this progenitor has been thoroughly scorned. If I were Cecil, I'd be checking whether I'd forgotten her birthday, or an anniversary, or left the toilet seat up. We've dispatched the FTM Albin's Mercy, loaded with smelly candles, boxes of chocolate, and soothing bath ointments in the hopes that Lael doesn't take it out on the rest of us. Failing that, we're just glad she's based at Hutton and will be giving it a wide berth for the next few weeks. It's true to say that Hutton-controlled systems have seen more than their fair share of elections recently, and that the results have not always been as expected. Suspicions were first raised at bad actors, such as, oh, I don't know, Rex Harrison, Dick Van Dyke, anyone playing Dr. Doolittle, really, may have been interfering in the process on behalf of President Hudson, when ballot papers were mysteriously switched for a set that had Hudson stamped all over the top of the other candidates' names. Adverts at the station entrance that said, Vote Hudson, he sounds a bit like Hudson, began, began to spring up. And President Hudson could be seen on the newscasts telling everyone that Crooked Ashling Duval was getting help from the Thargoids. An inquiry was duly set up to investigate these claims of interference, and it soon attracted the nickname of the ravenous bug blatter beast of Troll, because the members of the committee believed that if they didn't go and look for evidence, then it didn't exist. 
And even if it did, then if they didn't know about it, then it couldn't really be all that important, could it? Eventually, President Hudson was forced to call a press conference to deny the rumours. He immediately took charge, speaking to the assembled members of the galactic press. Everyone, that is, except the reporter for Galnet News, who hasn't been seen since January 3306, when he was invited to the White Mansion to explain an article he wrote, asking why the president's skin smelled like powdered cheese. The president digressed by telling them that it was his opponents that had lost their minds, not him. Oh, no. He knows it's not him because he has a piece of paper that tells him that he's not mad. And it has a picture of an elephant on it as well. He assured them that he can also remember five words. Person. Woman. Man. Camera, TV. The assembled members of the press were reluctant to point out that those were the first five things the president could see from where he was standing. Good evening, trackers. Atrus5060 here, just popping in to say congratulations to the lovely people over at Operation IDA, or, or is it Ida, on fixing the very last of the stations that Hog the Mighty broke in his last tantrum. He's a naughty boy. Reports from Ida, or is it IDA, show that over 1,500 pilots have hauled over 110 million tonnes of repair equipment since the middle of January 3304. 146 stations were set fire to, and then smashed, then evacuated, and then left smouldering and covered in green goo over the intervening years. But finally, we've put it all to rights. Thanks to Hackswing for their tireless work in keeping so many more from being broken, to Auntie Ida for her swift work mending everything, and of course all the evacuees for not causing a big fuss. We are wondering what they're going to use the megaships that have been helping with the repairs for. Maybe we'll start up some nice tours of the area. It's a really good thing we're not bringing ourselves to Thog's attention anymore by picking on his ships, smashing them and stealing all their body parts for research over the next few weeks, isn't it? Something like that would be bound to upset Thog, and we wouldn't want that now, would we? Congratulations again, and of course, if you see any Thargoids looking suspiciously at your station, I really wouldn't worry, as if it does catch fire, we've got everything on standby to stick a sticky plaster on the boo-boo. For our American friends, that's a band-aid, which isn't another name for a groupie, or a charity fundraiser. Anyway, that's all from me, and remember... For the Mug Commanders. Well, what an interesting week we've had. The Biscuiteers are back where they belong, and just to prove how brutal karma can be, there are only three factions left in WNL. 
But if you sympathise with the likes of Sinbad the Bad, you get no sympathy from us. We lost the election in Stein as planned, and we won the war in LP525-39. Everywhere is nice and steady in both Colonia and the bubble. You all know the numbers, so keep them that way. The monks in Van Maren's Star could do with a little tap to stop them getting too close. And in Avic, the dirty dogs of the Sirius Corporation have had a boost recently, so give them a nudge as well. Apart from that, you can all pretty much take a rest. Except no, you can't. Get those mission runners, passenger ships and explorers fired up. It's time to take back Stein. Over to you, truckers. But first, over to Norma. Turning the wheel is progressing nicely. They're currently 2-0 up in their conflicts and we hope to bring you some real news just as soon as there is any. Keys to the Carrier, the event from the Buckyball Racing Club ends on Sunday, but you still have time to enter. Details at bit.ly slash keys to carrier. The Bounty Hunting Extravaganza, the two-week event organised by Commander Venetia, which involved two teams of two pilots tearing up the Don's henchmen, as Buck would say, is over. Two weeks of mayhem and more bounties than the annual chocolate and coconut lovers eating competition. In first place, team mission runners, commanders Texas Stew and Montgomery Python, with a magnificent 300,558,634 credits in bounties, and have won themselves a custom t-shirt each. The SRV Slaughter Ball 3306, Episode 1, 26th of July, All Platforms. SRV Slaughter Ball is a mass, last man standing SRV combat event. The first matches will take place next Sunday, the 26th of July, at Stafford Arena Crater on RA2D. Turn up, kill other SRVs, be the driver that survives longest. There's an event discord and a summary on YouTube. Search for Slaughterball, all one word. We've created a link on the forum post and it's bit.ly slash Slaughterball. A reminder of the event, Hutton Visits the Graveyard, organised by Commander Venetia, which has now been postponed till the 8th of August. We'll be taking an exploration trip to an anaconda graveyard in HD 76133. The ships are left over from the Distant Stars expedition of 3303. Details are in the diary entries on the Hutton Facebook page. It's 
Hello, Flossy with this week's community community created community goals. The first, the art of war. An open order had been received by the Anti-Xeno Initiative for Thargoid Hearts and Associated Assorted Other Thargoid Parts. Independent pilots were invited to deliver these items to the Astros fleet carrier stationed in the Sterop 2 system will be compensated upon delivery. AXI have stated it was recently discovered that a sufficiently thick coating of Thargoid blood combined with a mixture of various Thargoid materials can provide effective camouflage for capital class structures. Our experts believe that a combination of factors can cause the biomechanical systems of Thargoid ships to mistake a human-made vessel for one of their own and ignore it. We intend to test this using our flagship. If our hypothesis is true, we'll have a secure platform for offensive operations in hostile space. Unfortunately, our existing supplies of Thargoid hearts and meta-allies are, turned up, are tied up in other projects, so we do not have enough to effectively cover the entire vessel. We are also out of some other commodities that would allow us to further experiment with the formula. The campaign began on the 29th of June and will run until the 20th of August, 3306. If the final target is met earlier than planned, it will end immediately. Any pilots contributing will be rewarded with a special decal for their ship if it hits the first tier. All items have now been collected apart from the Thargoid Hearts. The current total is 5,929. It's day 25, so it's above the target of 5,000 at 200 per day, with 28 days still to go. With 10,000 hearts required to hit the only tier, we're on target to reach it well before the allocated time. Details are available at www.antizenoinitiative.com slash AOW. And that's it from the CCCGs this week. Flossy told you what to do. Good evening. This is Amelia Hawke reporting for the Gullnet Food Digest. We test the galaxy's rarest and most dangerous foods, so you don't have to. Tonight, it's the breakfast affair the morning after the night before. Yes, we've had the fancy dinner, we've sipped the coffee, and now it's time to test out a rare breakfast. We Meat Wheat Cakes are available from Isinga Enterprise in the We Meat system. The packaging states that they're original recipe breakfast goods, and the picture shows two of them in a bowl covered in milk. They're white, looking for all the world like an off-white pair of albino widgety grubs, and have a surface texture that would look out of place on a meteor-popped moon. The marketing materials, listing the history of the cakes, 
say that the they were originally used as packaging material for expensive machinery. Though, as humanity often does, someone stuck one in their mouth and discovered that they were actually edible. And the little crunchy nugget soon became the staple diet for the workers. It was only after an incident with a number of rather expensive machines that were damaged in the transit that their consumption was restricted. The price raised and the allowable edible quantity of those produced lowered to levels that would be considered rare. So, they're rare, they're edible, but what do they taste like? They look like an unholy cross between dry ravita, desiccated shredded wheat, and that packaging material that looks suspiciously like a watsit, but isn't orange. And even if you paint one orange, isn't cheesy and does make your teeth go squeaky. It is said that only the most courageous pilot can eat three of these nuggets in one sitting. And if you're making your decisions based on flavor, we can see why. There is another reason. These things pack more fiber per gram than just about anything else in the known universe. They are pure roughage. Edible doesn't mean digestible. And these are the pinnacle of indigestible edible foods. An excess of wheat meat cakes turns your internal factory into a gas-making machine. In zero-G environments, it's said that you're able to propel your way across entire space station interiors, fired by nothing but an excess of wheat meat gas. There are brass bands that would love to be able to make the kinds of noises eating one causes, and your insides will be doing their best, their best impression of Victorian-era era radiator plumbing. The Alliance have been feeding them to their livestock for years and harvesting their droppings for use as reloads to their cannons. In summary, rare, only to stop people eating them before they're used. Edible, well, it won't kill you, at least not immediately. Tasty, I'd rather chew cardboard. Danger, it goes without saying that have three of these and you'll look like a puffer fish that's been rudely surprised. Worth the price of a ton. Only for amusing fart jokes. This was Amelia Hawke reporting for the Galnet Food Digest. I'm off to attempt to clog cubicle three or possibly just give myself a hernia trying. We try the galaxy's most dangerous foods so you don't end up with stomach cramps. Someday 
for Lacon Spaceways. Back again for this week's Hutton Top Truck. How do we keep up with your shenanigans while you tool around in the Milky Way? Why, we install this little piece of software called the Hutton Helper in your spaceship. If you ain't already got it installed, you can install it yourself, relatively pain-free, by going to the website hot.forthemug.com. Almost as pain-free as Draxor. <laughs> you liking them pain meds, huh? So let's get on to our top truckers this week. Yeehaw! From the explorers, jumping around like them bullfrogs down by the creek, Commander Bowl of Petunias took the lead this week and jumped over 40,000 light years. Commander Alex Zuno had fun with his trigger finger this week turning the despicably dirty do-batter Don Antonacci and his band of pathetic pirates into space dust. He racked up over 211 million credits worth of bounties while tearing the engines out of each and every one of the Don ships. Running missions like no other, Commander Antarius Fusion took the lead and tallied up 972 mission points this week. Loading up the new trailer attachment to the rear of a Lacon Type 9 and filling it to the brim, Commander Gallagher Champ hauled over 252,000 tons of cargo around the galaxy. Maybe he added several trailer attachments to haul that much. Driving the Hutton taxi this week, Commander Cake Wreck delivered 1,177 passengers around the galaxy earning a five-star rating doing so. Our fastest run to Hutton Orbital is held by Commander Brett Riverboat in one hour, 22 minutes, and 31 seconds. But the fastest run to Hutton in this month of July is held by Commander Asylum in one hour, 24 minutes, and six seconds. If y'all think you got what it takes to beat these scores, then download the Hutton Helper and get to fly. You want to hear your name on this here radio station? Make sure you got the Hutton Helper installed. Pick it up on the web at hot.forthemug.com and get to trucking. And don't forget, if you do hear your name called out and you ain't already got one, get in touch with us to get your very own Hutton decal for your ship. Hutton Top Trucker, brought to you by Lacon Spaceways, the only ships in the galaxy that come with a book of the best bad puns. Speaking of which, I want to be cremated, as it is my last hope for a smoking hot body. Ladies and gentlemen, for the, the end of for the mug, for the mug, mug. Night night.